Hey there, welcome inside the Midlife Pilot Podcast, a podcast all about, well, being a pilot in midlife and uh, all of the cool things and not so cool things that go along with that. My name is Chris Moran. I'm the Midlife Pilot on YouTube and uh, joining me tonight as always for episode nine is Brian Siskin. Good evening, sir. How's it going, my friend? going very 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 well we are we are uh, almost to 10 episodes how about that that is pretty remarkable uh that's kind of a milestone uh really 10 will be good and it's uh it's been fun getting there i need to turn my notifications off because my friends are all excited that we're uh, that we're doing this recording tonight um if you're new to the podcast with us tonight uh or today or this weekend, whenever you're listening to this uh, from your favorite podcast provider, we do record these live uh, on a schedule, believe it or not, every other Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern. And uh, it's on YouTube on the Midlife Pilot channel, also on uh, Facebook, on the Midlife Pilot Facebook page. And we definitely love, love, love our audience that hangs out with us on these things, uh, on these recordings. It's a huge part of the content is interaction, uh, question and answers, comments, experiences that you know, everyone has together and it's, uh, it's a big, big, big part of this show. So, uh, if you're joining us tonight, hello to everyone who's with us so far in the chat room. We are uh, looking forward to tonight's topic, which is, um, I think pretty universal among the pilot community, right? Cause I mean, there's the mental aspect to everything, uh, and it's no different with flying. So it's going to be interesting to see, to see where this goes. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, anybody that is here already, um, Feel free to take a second and take the link and copy and paste it and post it in other places to get more people in here because that's what makes it fun. Um, I mean, Chris, I like talking to you and everything, but oh, uh, no. but you know, I, I like you don't want to be like the the guy at the party that's just sort of uh, like that gets there first, right? <laughs> it's always weird, you know. You're just, exactly, and especially when it's like, you don't really know the host very well. It's that can be weird, but anyway. So, um, but yeah. So you you've been flying re- very recently, right? Supposed to have been. Uh, I have supposed to have been. Yes, yeah. this is a good story. I I, I think this is going to be a good story. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was supposed to have been. Uh, we. I was supposed to take our Cherokee two thirty five uh, down to uh, Shenandoah Avionics in Shenandoah, Virginia. Um, yesterday, in fact, and, uh, had big plans to get down there early. It was kind of scheduled in the morning. It was going to be quick and get back. It's only like 45 minute to an hour flight from here. And, um, this is a good, this actually is going to lead right into the topic truthfully about like the mentalness of, of flying good days and bad days and what makes a good day and what makes a bad day. So I'm away to the airport like 7:15 yesterday morning and, um, my car broke down. It's a uh, electric car. By breakdown, I just mean it decided that it was that something was wrong. It just stopped like an electric razor. Yeah, in classic fashion, right? You're on. I'm on the interstate. I'm going 75 miles an hour up a hill, and I lose all. It, it puts itself in neutral, complaining about a systems problem. Will not provide propulsion. Whoa. So I'm slowing down. So it's heard my hazards on. This was a really, and somebody joked with me later and you'll hear the story. Like, Oh, this is a pilot. This is energy management. One Oh one is what I did here. Right. So going up a hill, slowing down rapidly as you do, you know, rolling uphill and slowing down. So my hazards are on I'm slowing down to like 30 miles an hour, 25 and a 70. Like I'm getting to the top of the hill. I come over the hill and the exit is right at the bottom of the hill, the airport exit. I can see the exit and there's a little convenience store. Like I have to make a right and then another immediate right and I'm in the parking lot. But it's a stop sign at the end of the off ramp. So I'm, I'm coming down the hill and I'm kind of trying to eye the traffic. And I get up to 55 miles an hour down this hill and I get off the off ramp uh, and there's nobody miraculously coming on the road where I have to turn right. So I didn't even slow down. Like I'm using all the energy I have. I'm <laughs> gliding right past the off ramp, make a right hand turn, make another right, right into the parking lot of the convenience store, right into a parking spot. No flaps down. That's right. Flaps up. This was like a, an engine out in the pattern as it were. Um, so I make it in there anyway. So that's the first thing that's happening around. I'm supposed to be leaving. So now I'm already going to be late. I know I'm going to be late leaving, but I'm like, well, you know, crap happens, but I don't want to leave this guy hanging. I need to get down there. Uh, in the meantime, I've been checking the ATIS at my destination. It's currently overcast, 2200, so I can't even get in currently, but I thought, well, that's probably going to lift, so it's fine. 
called my wife. I said, uh, can you come get me and take me to the hangar? It's just right over there. But it was also like five degrees. And I'm like, well, I asked the convenience store. They said, you can leave your car. I said, cool. I'll deal with this when I get back from Shenandoah. I'm just going to leave it here. So my wife comes, put everything in the car, go to the hangar. Okay. Get in the hangar. She drops me off. I start getting stuff ready, putting cameras on the plane. There's going to be a video, obviously, getting stuff ready. And as I'm just kind of walking around, I'm like, boy, that nose strut is in the wintertime. We just have been struggling to keep that thing pumped up. I said, there's like, there's like this much. I could probably make that work. I just got to be real gentle on it, you know? And so I'm, the more I walk around, the more I thought I can't. So I, I'm texting the, our 172 is in for annual. So I'm texting with our AMP and I'm like, dude, are you guys here? Can, if I come over, will you, can you pump this up real quick? And he's like, yeah, just bring it over, taxi across the runway before you leave. We'll put air in it. So I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. Still 2200 overcast. So I got the plane already. I thought, well, I'll just go over, pump up the top, you know, pump up the strut and I'll just wait. I'll leave the plane parked over there and I'll just wait a little bit and see if it, you know, lightens up over there. Anyway, I'll wrap this up just by saying I taxi across. We pumped up the nose strut and that was fine. It never did clear up, but it was a great case study for me. And so I didn't fly, but we were talking about this in the FBO while I worked from there that day. I did my job from the airport the rest of the day. And, um, it was one of those questions like how many things have to go wrong? Like I told my MP, I'm like there, I had about, I had margin for about one more thing. Like I'm not a believer. I'm not, I don't get, I don't get caught up in this. Like, um, there's nothing like superstitious about this. Like things travel in threes are like bad things have happened. So more bad things are going to happen. Like I don't subscribe in any way to that mindset. Like my car breaking down is of no relevance to how my flight was going to go, but it certainly would have been in my mind all day. Like, you know, so there's factors of that, right? Yeah. So so this is kind of what our topic is going to be tonight. Like the mental, uh, ness of flying. What makes a good day? What makes a bad day? I would count yesterday as a bad day. I mean, I didn't learn anything. Right. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, no new lessons came out of it other than one more time practicing, putting the cameras on the plane and taking them down again. But um, like you like you need that. But we also were safe, you know, didn't do anything stupid. Um, everything was fine, but I didn't learn anything. And so it was a bad day of flying. I, it was a beautiful day here, like perfect weather. But I never could have got into Shenandoah legally um, with the ceiling the way it was. So now. That was my that was my flight story for the week. What about you? You also, from what I've seen on social media and other uh, places, also had an interesting, uh, maybe an interesting experience. Well, yes, with you. I've had a few things. Um, so uh, you know, I'm flying this club plane now, and I'm still getting used to that. So, and I, you know, I'm still getting used to the fact that my airport here that I trained at five minutes away from here, or three minutes away. Um you know, is is a lot more convenient, but, uh, but that's not where the plane is. The plane is an hour and a half South of here. So, um, so what I decided to do, um, see, I was going to go to Chattanooga. I was going to do a bunch of stuff. So anyway, um, but what I, I got the plane for three days, basically for two nights. Um, so what I did is I went down, uh, I drove my car down to, uh, the airport and was there bright and early with a friend of mine, uh, who had never ridden, in a general aviation airplane before. Um, and you know, we left Nashville at probably six in the morning, got down there at about seven 30, you know, painfully early, long drive kind of thing. Well, not long, but you know, enough to be a drive. And, um, mm-hmm. we got there and we we're like, and the whole thing was, I was trying to get back and beat the wind that was going to be building up during the day. So I get there, um, and the airplane, you know, pre-flighting the plane and everything. And, uh, and I'm under the wing, getting ready to check one of the ailerons and I hear and I can tell that something is alive inside the wing of the airplane and doesn't really want to be in there. Um, and it sounds pretty sizable. It's not like a little pitter patter of like a mouse. It's something that's got some mass to it. And I'm, I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. Right. I, I cannot, there's no way I'm, you know, if you want to talk about like a reason to not fly, it's when there's a live animal inside the wing, <laughs> right? They don't tell you this stuff in school, right, kid. Right. But you know what? You can just, you can go ahead and just say like, that's not a good thing. So anyway, so I'm just thinking, okay, what? so I, I contact the owner of the club, uh, owner, you know, the, who runs, who deals with the plane. And uh, it just, so he also lives in Nashville. He lives off of Music Row. Um but it just so happened that he was down 
at that airport at a nearby Airbnb or hotel or whatever it is. Cause he goes down there. So he has a debonair and some other things down there. Mm. So it just so happened that he was there. I texted him. Uh, I'll try to make the story short, but basically he came out with like, <laughs> like he's like, I'm coming over and, uh, and I'm, I got, I'll bring some roast beef and, uh, <laughs> I'm like, all right. And so he goes over and, you know, I'm not allowed to do it, but he can take the inspection plates off and all that. And, um, and, and he started taking, he took all the inspection plates off and we're trying to look in there to see. And he's putting little pieces of roast beef just oh on the inside. Gosh. And just this, this, uh, we finally figured out that it was a huge bird of some kind. Uh, it would not come out. And then finally what he did is he just got into the plane and cranked it up and then just kind of went into like a 2000 RPM setting. And the whole plane was just going and man, that bird went. And just took off. And then I was good to go. So that was the first thing, right? So then, you know, got going, didn't beat the winds at this point. So I had to deal with some pretty, pretty hefty winds, but that was fine. We got, we got, um, we got back. And then when I got, uh, I was doing flight following and center was telling me your transponder is not working consistently. I'm like, great. So that was, that was another thing. Then when I landed, um, I was trying to contact ground. And they just, it was just nothing. Um, the push to talk was dead on both sides, not working. And then I had to get the old handheld, <laughs> to use wow. that, you know, for the first time I had to use one of those. I had never used one before. It was, I felt kind of cool for a second, but realized this is going to be annoying. And I'm supposed to go to Chattanooga tomorrow. I don't want to be going into a pretty reasonably, you know, not crazy busy, but, a, you know, a class Charlie and, mm-hmm. you know, with two passengers that are new that, you know, now I'm trying to juggle handheld mic, whatever. So I just bagged that trip. But anyway, so that was fun. And then uh, real quick, I'll just wrap it up. Sorry. But the next day uh, I flew my friend Lucy Silvis around. She's a great singer and artist. You should look her up. Um, she's also a student pilot. We flew and had some fun uh, flying around, went to Centerville. And then, um, and then I did my night currency, uh, which was, uh, quite an adventure and was really cool. And I, I really cannot effing believe that it is only until after you get your private pilot license that then you fly solo at night. Um, it's crazy to me. Uh, I mean, I was, I was fine. It, it went fine. Uh, well, I almost, uh, taxied the wrong direction into a bunch of, uh, Apaches that were parked. But <laughs> other than that, uh, I did fine. You know, so there was just a bunch of little just goofy things that kind of kept stacking up. So I canceled some of the, I re I changed my plans, you know, yeah. so was it a bad day? You know, certainly not. Uh, was it what I wanted it to be? No, but I think that's part of maybe where we can even start, which is sort of like expectations versus reality and then processing the outcomes of, of what, are, you know, it's hard for us. We're frustratingly uh, sort of, focused people that really want to do something. And so when it doesn't go our way, it's really easy to sort of pitch a fit. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, Exactly. And uh, it's, it's a really important skill uh, that I'm always going to keep trying to get better at, which is just to sort of be flexible, let things happen and try to derive value out of, you know, bad experiences. You know, if you have, you know, I I had some terrible landings. Um, uh, I don't know, just, you know, I, I didn't feel great about a lot of my flying, you know, but I had to kind of in retrospect go, dude, you you flew six hours in two days and you didn't die and you did pretty well and you flew different people around and you went to different places and, yeah. you know, it wasn't terrible. Yeah. So right. it's easy to beat yourself up. And I, I think that we have that trait in common. What do you think? For sure. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think back to my, I mean, my training days, my goodness, especially the, once I was solo endorsed, I, 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 that's kind of where it started for me. There, there were different parts of it though. Like, I guess there's multiple facets of the mental game, right? I mean, um, you, there's a confidence, there's a confidence problem. Um, they can get you can get in your own way, and that was kind of my big problem in training. There's a whole series of videos through the kind of the middle, I guess, the middle part of my training where it was just like I was almost crippled by just the anxiety and the idea of flying. To me, was just it, I don't know why it was foreign, a lack of confidence or whatever. And um, like I would go to the airport and with full intent of, I mean, intention of flying. I mean, tons of butterflies and scared to death and like, but they get the plane ready and take it out and. Um, 
pre-flight and taxi to the whole short line and make my radio call and get on the runway and then decide I cannot do this. I cannot physically make myself push the throttle in and go. And we just taxi back to the hangar and put it away. I did that more than once. Mm. Um, now to look hindsight, looking back on that now, um, it seems kind of, kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, like I don't, that wouldn't be a thing. I mean, it would take, it would take, there's a lot, it would, there would have to be a, a reason beyond just like, I don't feel like I am going up to this. And you know, we have to be a, r- a real reason to not do it. Um, so that, that's certainly one of them. Um, but I do think, uh, in terms of how you, um, the things that you take away, like I, I don't, there hasn't been a flight really that I don't think I have, um, taken something away from good or bad or, and been able to make it something good. Right. I mean, so even the bad stuff, like, things that go wrong. Um, like here's a good example. And this is not exactly what we're talking about, but there's a lesson that stuck with me with my instructor, Tyler. And this wasn't even intent of the lesson, but we had went to another airport Elkins once during my training. And while we were down there flying around the airport, um, the, this is before we had an alternator in five, two Lima, it was a generator. The generator light was on. We didn't know how long it had been on, how long we lost the, uh, how long we've been without power. And so the decision was made immediately. Like we just need to start heading back. We told Clarksburg what our situation was approach the, you know, the approach we were on flight falling on the way back and turned off all the unnecessary, you know, all the things you do, right. When you have power, you leave one radio on, like turned off all the other electronics and lights and just, um, got prepared. So we're coming back into Fairmont still had power from the battery and we have electric flaps in this plane. And, um, Fairmont's a reasonably short, you know, field. We don't do touch and goes there. And especially in the 172, the 140 horsepower 172, we, you know, we just don't, can't get out very well. So I'm coming to the pattern. I'm talking through stuff with Tyler, what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to put flaps. And he said, don't touch those flaps. And I said, why? I said, I'm, he said, we're not going to land with flaps here today. I said, why not? And he said, well, what will you do if you have to go around and you lose power with all your flaps down? How will you get out of, how you get out of, and I said, my gosh, like what a great, like never would have. So it was a bummer. Our lesson got cut short, right? And Elkins of stuff we were going to do that day, but mm-hmm. that is a lesson. Like, I'm not sure we would have covered. I'm not sure we've had a specific lesson that said, if you're ever in this plane, you lose power and you're coming into Fairmont, don't put the flaps down because you couldn't get them back out. If you had an alternator failure, right? I, that wouldn't have been a lesson, mm-hmm. but I, that is something I will never I guarantee you if that circumstance ever happens to me, I'll know what to do. So there's a, yeah. there's a classic example of something that came out like a day that was bummer because it cut our lesson short, but what a great lesson. I mean, you know, what a great thing that came out of that. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, there's just, yeah, there's, there's always, uh, you know, silver linings and things, but you know, like I said, we're very easily frustrated people because we have all these grand designs and every flight, you know, you're thinking about it ahead of time and you have plans and you have goals and you have, things that you envision in ways, you know, I, I have this thing where like, do, uh, maybe it's just me and it, my particular neuroses, but maybe you have this too, but do you ever do like, um, it's sort of like, if uh, obviously I'm a little socially awkward, right? So, um, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but I have this thing where like, I will say things uh, that are on my mind without a filter a lot of times that maybe don't make the most sense to other people. Um, and I kind of just don't really care anymore. I just, I'm just be that guy, but, but you know, like if you, do you ever have like a thing where like you go to a party, you know, with some people, maybe, you know, and some you don't know or whatever, and you get into a conversation with somebody and you just say something that you can just read on the other person that they just think that you are either, completely strange or an idiot, or you make some dumb joke or defend somebody in some weird way that you could have never imagined. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, but it wasn't horrible. It wasn't like this. It was just an awkward sort of speed bump in your interaction with the person. But then like you go home or think about it the next day and it just makes you just go, God, I can't believe I said that, you know, like <laughs> yeah. to that person. Yeah. Right. I, there's a lot of stuff that happens like that uh, with me in flying, like where, Especially, um, the more I'm, I'm still getting used to, uh, you know, air, air traffic control conversations and being able to understand what they're saying and, you know, uh, speaking, you know, like I had, so I, <laughs> when I was having my transponder incident, um, uh, or whatever you want to call it, uh, micro failure, um, 
the uh the the guy was like uh he was real cool you know he he was like um i think he was bna approach but he was just like hey man you know it's no problem I, I said do you want me to ident or do you want me to do anything when you cycle it or you know he's like no no i just he's like you know just just know you know if whenever you take it in or you know whatever it might be something good to get looked at you know kind of he was just being real casual and cool with me or whatever and and I said something along the lines of like, I actually wanted to go find it because it was, it would have been on BNA's live ATC, but I basically said something like, well, if it, if it means, if me having a sort of intermittent transponder means I get this kind of, uh, you know, purpose, <laughs> then maybe this is like the way to go or something. I said it in some weird way, but anyway, <laughs> it was just sort of for a split second, I just kind of forgot, like, just shut up. And, uh, this is what this avenue is for, not, not ATC. So, um, anyway, but I just have, I have things like that, like little moments in flights or little things that I said that even though everything else went a hundred percent fine and safe and successful, and I did exactly what I set out to do. There always will be just some weird, cringy little guy. Why did I do that? You know, just the littlest right. things like I took off without the mixture being rich once, you know? And, I had a, uh, just the yeah. other day, I say there's no out. lessons, Brent. Listen, just the other day, uh, a video that's going to come out for patrons only as a bonus. Cause I, I'm starting to have a guilt trip about how many, uh, videos <laughs> about patterns around Clarksburg. I could realistically <laughs> publish on this channel, but hey, man, that's what we're all doing though. We're still learning. It's, it's good to watch you learn <laughs> anyway, to be proficient. Yeah. I took the, uh, I took the two thirty five out with Cecilia the other day and, um, took off out of Fairmont without the fuel pump on. um, and even though, you know, I, of course, I, you know, again, it's switching back and forth to planes. I haven't flown this plane a whole lot, have, especially recently. It's been a long time. Um, I said on the checklist, I watched the video later. I mean, I did that step, but just didn't. Yeah, it was one of those like reading the lines, you know, just, you know, and took off. I noticed it on climb out and, and when I, wa- and, you know, flipped the fuel pump on. But I, when I went back and watched the video later, I was shocked at how, what a difference the fuel pressure. I mean, you know, it was, it was low. It was in the still safely in the green, you know, everything's fine. But like, also it's like, it's just a good reminder. Like that's the mental, I mean, that's, that's the complacency of like, um, you know, it's just, especially if you're switching back and forth and not flying a lot, probably ought to be paying a little bit more attention to those, um, the details that you've read the checklist so many times, you know, and then just, it's easy to not do that. But that was, I did that just the other day. Well, you know, I think that especially when you're training, um, is a good, it's a, training is a great time to, uh, set up kind of a methodology or a, a habit with the way that you accept your mistakes and failures because they are imminent and they're going to be common and they're not going to stop once you get past your check ride. I mean, it's just, there's still going to be things that, that happen or, or whatever. So, um, you know, I think that if there's anything I, I wanted to kind of get across and, and this, uh, episode is I see a lot of people beating themselves up on the internet, you know, about how all, you know, I haven't soloed yet and I've got 40 hours or, um, you know, I went out today and it was like, I, I'm still trying to learn how to land and, and I thought I had it. And then now I don't, or you just see people, you know, beating themselves up left and right. I did it mercilessly to myself and still do it. Um, but I'm trying still to always try to find a way to reframe bad experiences into being something that's absolutely positive that you mm-hmm. can kind of bookmark. That's a, so yours is a great example. Um, you know, that whole thing we always talked about where we both had uh, the experience of leaving the flaps in on a, on a touch and go and uh, how interesting that made life for us and how that will never happen again. So, I, I mean, I remember how I felt like I just felt so bad but now looking back on it, I'm, I'm so thankful that I had that experience. And so don't wait until later to be able to have the wisdom to look back and say, oh, I shouldn't have maybe beat myself up as bad. I'm just sort of trying to put it out there to like everybody uh, stop beating yourself up. So That's bad. right. And then if you're not beating yourself up at all, then also uh, you need to check yourself because you're being a little, yeah, no, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, no, I do mean, no yeah. wrong also bother me, but, uh, but yeah. 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 And I think that's true about a lot of things. Like, um, you just, boy, you can look back through training and just think, man, some of the stuff then that was such a huge deal to me, I look back and say, how was that ever a huge deal? Right. And, but, but it, um, 
those are all so critical uh, in forming, like it, you have to experience those things to get to the next level or to the next place that you are. And so like at that time, it is a huge thing, you know, at that level that you're at or that where you are, that is a big deal. I mean, those things are like, I think now, like if I had applied full power with flaps in, probably could have managed that. You know what I mean? Like I do that now. I think, Oh, I could man, you know, I'd be like, Oh, what a dummy. Yeah. I'd get that under control and be fine. It completely weirded me out. Anything that was slightly weird at that point was too much to, to handle. Um, but that just comes with time and, and that kind of thing. But, um, well, you know, I was just going to say, like, I think that, um, I, I think that generally speaking, uh, you know, people want to do well and they put a lot of pressure on themselves and it's costing a lot of money and I get it, you know, it's, it's a whole thing. But the number one thing that my instructor drilled into my brain that I did sometimes a better job at doing than others was he just kept always reminding me to just you, as a pilot, you've got to have a short memory. And I just thought yeah. that was a really helpful, you know, just let it go and move on. And boy, was that helpful training uh, or preparation, I should say, for the check ride. Because if you, you know, if you have anything go wrong on the check ride, right? Like you, you do not want to spiral out. You just want to go, okay, well, that happened, but I'm still here and I'm still in the fight and I'm just going to keep going. Yep. Uh, so always have a short memory. Ben Singer says that uh, I think beating ourselves up over small things is just part of the pilot journey. And I think that's true. I think there's a lot of that. Um, you know, um, it's, it's kind of a mental thing too. Uh, it was on your bullet point here list of things we should talk about tonight, but you know, just staying current and proficient after your checklist that there's a mental component to that as well. I think like, and I've been talking to people since the last video that published, it was, I went out into 172 and did, and it was a spurred from a conversation we had on this ep- on the last episode of this podcast where I said, you know, I haven't done any stalls or slow flights or I haven't done a single check ride flight maneuver since my private pilot check ride over 18 months ago, not one. Yeah. And, uh, I thought to myself, I was, I think we were talking about doing it with or without a CFI was kind of the conversation we, we were having on the episode. And I said, well, I'm yeah. going to go out. I'm just going to go out and do, I'm going to go do them all. And so I went out and set out for like, and just my intention was to do slow flight, um, stalls, turns around a point, steep turns. Uh, and that, and that kind of flight maneuver, that was my flight maneuver category. I was skipping, um, uh, um, S turns over, a, what are they called? Uh, yeah. You know, like S turns over a straight line point on the ground. Cause I hate, I always hated that. And I wasn't, I just wasn't going to do it again. I just, I don't yeah. have to. And I wasn't going to, um, <laughs> I don't like broccoli. Exactly. But I'm what in was college now? <laughs> I was convinced I would have sworn to you that I would have been able to do all of these things without even, because really you're doing them while we're not practicing the maneuvers. Like, mm-hmm. You've flown enough, right? You like, I am stalling the plane pretty regularly when I land, or like, you know, these are going to be fine. Slow flight was no problem. Getting into slow, I made a big point about getting into slow flight because we've we've talked about that too. Like, people just just completely obsess about how to get into slow flight. I'm like, well, it's not that hard. Put a carpet in, pull the power out, and drop all your flaps in, and you're you're in slow flight. You know what I mean? Like, it's don't overthink that part. Like, slow down. Like, that's you can do that. Um, and I thought, well, I'll go right into stalls. Right, that's the logical thing. You're already slow. Like, let's do a power uh, off stall because you're already configured for landing or whatever. And so we, I went into a power uh, power off stall, and um, it was fine. Recovered from that from just fine. But then I decided, sorry, there's cats. There's cats abound. Yours is downstairs. <laughs> um, uh, how many? Just well, one cat and one human is. Uh, <laughs> wait, how many? What people? Cats? Yeah, <laughs> one cat and one human. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, um, power off stall was fine. <laughs> um, but I decided in that exact moment. I had this weird thing where I was like, I'm not going to do a power on stall without an instructor. I haven't done one for a while. I just don't feel comfortable. And I texted so I you, right? I texted you. You did. Said, you texted said, me. Did I get in your head at all? You did get in my head. I was convinced I was just going to go out there and I was going to be fine. And I, the reality is I would have been fine. Uh, but I just felt like there's no point. I, I don't need to, I don't need to prove. I mean, I'm not here to prove that That's I can it. do one. Um, right. So, so I didn't point is, then I went on to the other stuff. Here's the stuff that blew my mind even more. Um, steep turns. I thought, Oh my God, with Tyler, I'm just thinking of the time with Tyler in the airplane. How, how many steep turns, how many hours of steep turns we did? Like, <laughs> right. um, 
And I thought I would just, that would just be like, I don't even have to think about it. I could, it took me, like I told you, I joke with you. One, one of my steep turn practices turns into like unusual attitude recovery. Like I ended up like 60 plus degrees back, nose down, like picking up speed. I had to pull power out, level the wings and pull up out of it. And I thought, what am I even doing here? So we were, I worked on those for a little bit more, but you know, I guess, I guess that's the mental, I meant there's a mental component of that because, um, well, it's all, I mean, all of that is kind of, um, you know, you have a certain expectation of yourself or, or a certain level of co- confidence might be the wrong word, but like belief in your ability. And then it's, yeah. it's probably a good idea to do these things periodically once in a while, even for the simple sake of reminding yourself that it doesn't just things don't just stay really sharp without practice. Like, yeah, like my landings have gotten, you know, I'm not, I'm not like the world's greatest pilot, but like that, the next part of the video that's coming out for the general consensus is landings at Clarksburg that day. And by the time I left there, there were like 30 degrees off the runway gusting 18 before I left. And it was like, it didn't even matter. Like it was not a, it was a non-factor. So like, but that makes sense, right? Because what do I practice all the time? I go fly patterns. All I ever do is land yeah, and take off. Like, but when's the last time I've actually really intentionally worked on, flight maneuvers ACS Um, spec maneuvers yeah Yeah. I mean I'm not suggesting that you continue to do these like weekly or even you know monthly for you know for the rest of your flying careers and certainly the more you fly the less you're going to have to do them or whatever but um, it was just a really kind of eye-opening thing for me to say all right so it's not just gonna you don't just always stay super sharp it's like anything else in life you don't stay super sharp at anything unless you practice so it was a good experience so Good yeah, even if, even if you've been uh, performing fine in the tasks that these are the fundamentals for, doesn't mean that you still don't need to go back and practice just the fundamentals. And if you think about, I mean, none of us are going to be Michael Jordan or whatever, but I mean, you know, but we can, you know, try a little harder to be <laughs> proficient and it's not, it's not the craziest thing in the world. I always try to find it actually an excuse to do steep turns just about every flight. Um, especially if I have, you know, a passenger, uh, cause you know, find something that I want to show them. And then I'm just, do- I'm not even telling them like, I'm going to be doing steep turns now. And, uh, that's watch, true. Hold, watch me hold my altitude or, you know, whatever. Right. It's just like, a, I'm not calling out like, well, 45. Okay. You know, like, I'm just like, Hey, check that out. And I'm, I'm doing it myself, you know, but I'm not, you know, so that's kind of how I've been sort of sneaking, practice into uh you know just having fun and flying around um but you know but i do think it's interesting about the 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 power the power on stall i mean because you do hammerheads all the time no problem (laughs) yeah exactly with all the club planes right like right exactly yeah that's right Uh, all the time yeah so uh so that's my favorite you know in in real world flying you know one of my favorite my favorite moments of every flight is I love my downwind to base turn. It's my favorite turn of the whole flight because, you know, like your nose down, like you're, you know, you're descending. And so there's really pretty low risk, right? Turn. So like I tend to be like, I'm super, I love that turn. Like that's like a, that's a 30 degree or so more every time uh, in that. You know, it's the only time of the flight. I, I was telling you the other day when we were talking offline about, um, one of the favorite things of mine lately in flying, like we got the 172. So I have that 235 that wins in the club that I was flying is, uh, you know, the new, the new cool shiny thing. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful airplane. Like I, it's really, um, it's really fantastic. Our 172 was down for three months after a goose strike did some damage to the wing and it came back online and I started flying it again. And I forgot just how much I enjoy that flying and it is becoming every single time now it's I'm getting to a point I'm at like I'm 145 hours or something now it is starting to get really fun to just like to actually feel the airplane and fly it like I don't know how to explain it but it is just like things start to happen now that is just like um, it is so much less now about the like eyes fixated on the airspeed and like this i mean the things are just starting to now just at this point are starting to feel like i'm enjoying the actual art of like flying and that is such a thing if you're not if you if you're still you know in the train like 
that is such a it's such a fun time for me now. Somebody asked me, we have a fly-in at the Outer Banks coming up in April. Said, I can't believe you're taking the the Cessna to that yeah. instead of the 235. What gives? You know, it was kind of, in fact, I think David uh, David is in the chat with us tonight. Who's the one who asked me that? He flies a, a Turbo Dakota, which is you know similar to the 235. Um, and I said, you know, the reality is, um, I for like just enjoying flying and like sightseeing and just flying for, without a mission. Like if I need to go somewhere or I need to take some people or like the 235 hands down is the, is the plane yeah. I'll take to do that. But to just enjoy like putzing up and down the beach and sightseeing and just enjoying flying, I have gotten back to just feeling, I just love the 172. Um, and it's just yeah. such a joy to get to that point where, and that's, that's mental too, right? You get, you get to a certain point, things become, you just have absorbed things through a little bit of experience. And this is, again, full disclosure, I'm not, I'm, I'm as much risk at this moment that I've ever been in the, you know, this is the dangerous time. People start yep. to like say things like that and start to feel things and you just cannot get complacent about um, all of the things because it's still, I'm still super new, super new. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, um, I mean, I, 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 um, what is it? Uh, what's the, uh, Gary wing, fly the wing. You know, it's like when you just really start to think about it as you, it's, you're just, it's one wing that you're flying and everything else is just extra static on the frequency of whatever you're thinking about. You're flying a wing. And when you get a sense of, uh, what that is, um, and what it can do and what feels right and what sounds right. You know, it's, it's a cool feeling. I can't wait to get used to this new plane that I'm in. I'm, my landings have not been very consistent. Um, but, um, but fine. Um, uh, I, I just want to get to the point where I don't know, it's probably not even a realistic thing, but I just want to get to the point where um, I'm just, there's never a part of a landing for even a microsecond where I feel like I am not, totally governing everything that's going on. I feel like it's sometimes it feels like sometimes you're setting it up and then you're kind of, you're kind of seeing what's going to happen. Cause obviously variable winds or whatever. There's it's just certain moments where I feel like, am I really fully in control of what's going on right now? Am I just kind of like hanging it out there for a minute to see and then react? And I don't know to what extent you ever feel like, especially in a Cessna, right? Like you're just, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, but I'm looking forward to more feelings of uh, pseudo mastery. Um, you know what? what, what oh, I don't, what's that on the screen we just had? Um, yeah, we'll go back to that. Uh, <laughs> flying Iowa said, remember guys, always pack oh, your yeah. parachute and a couple <laughs> fire extinguishers in your pant leg in case your engine goes out. <laughs> um, that's good advice for sure. Hey, you know, one thing that on the, um, uh, wondering if feeling like you're kind of, are you in control or are you like just kind of along for the ride for a minute? You know, I had, an, I had not an epiphany, but I've been having this sensation more and more lately. What's kind of become, you know, you think about, uh, I used to get really weirded out, like, especially on final by like, um, just changes in conditions, right? Like winds, you get slightly blown off one side or another, you're kind of banking, you're trying to correct, you're getting blown a little bit side to side or whatever. And I used to think, boy, this is, it's unstable. It's unstable. I've, I've been really feeling differently. The more I've flown, the more about that. Like a lot of that stuff, you just have to accept, like you're still, your general trajectory of your aircraft is still the right, you know, you're still going the right way. Sometimes it feels like you're getting just, you're completely screwed up. The reality is in most of those cases, you're not, I mean, you're still trajectory is where you want it to be. And then in the critical time, you know, um, you, you know, when you get to a certain point, whether you're okay or not, and you generally are, and then you have some critical time there close, close to the runway. Um, to, to get it call. right. Yeah. Yeah. You get it right or you make the call and you don't, you go away. Um, I used to get really weirded out by those. Like I did not do well accepting turbulence or accepting changes in the conditions. And it, it really, I was over, I was overcorrecting for a lot of that stuff sometimes, yeah. Yeah. you know, and chasing it. And it's just like, that's just the nature of air. And, um, it's generally, it, it and I, that's another thing I think that is just more, the more time, the more experiences you have with it. It's kind of like you, you start to just accept that as part of this part of the flight. Yeah. I think that's where I had a lot of troubles that, um, 
I learned how to land in very windy, unusual, like variable conditions. And then once I got down, down to the sort of time for me to solo, we were doing the thing where we were going out at six in the morning and it was totally calm. And, uh, and in calm winds for the longest time, I was all over the place. But you could put me in these like heinous conditions that are beyond my minimums now. You know, but back then, and I would wrestle these landings down and be like, holy, you know, S, like that was amazing. I can't believe I did that. You know, my instructor would be super happy about it. And then I get on these calm wind things, man. I'm overcorrecting, you know, just the slightest little thing. So it, it does take some time just to sort of like, uh, what would you say? We used to always say it's a, it's, it's a wrestling match with the wind, not a, not a boxing match. That's good. I like that. There's David. Still not sure why anyone would fly a Cessna <laughs> when you could fly a Piper. Uh, Who are these ben, people with all these choices? Ben Singer says, uh, <laughs> because Cessna flyers like to see what's below and not what's above. Mm. So we could have a whole, this whole chat could, could be telling you, man, uh, if I could have any plane, it'd be a Cardinal. That's it. Like it's yeah. hands down. That's it. That's what I want. If in my dreams, I have a Cardinal. That's awesome. I'm looking back through chat. Now we had a handful of experiences that I wanted to, uh, to share. Somebody said Trevor is a hero. Uh, it, it's isn't it weird how sometimes people's names are so apropos as to what they are doing or who they are. Like it's such a Trevor thing. Like a Trevor. My apologies if anybody's named Trevor in here, but <laughs> it just seems like such a like if his name was Hank, it just would feel like kind of loose and familial. Like it wouldn't feel the same. Like Trevor, so- it's such a like a. Thing is that I, me? Yeah, I mean, we may have to. What time is this happening? Forty-one minutes. We might want to uh, make a note of that. Edit that. Edit, edit. Cut that section out. Make a note to yourself there for the. <laughs> I'm not editing anything. <laughs> all on, the Trevors. Trevors. Bring it we on, do, Trevors. We've lost all the. Uh, all the Trevors. We've lost all the Trevors that were here. I'm not going to say anything about Ben's. I have a brother named Ben, so Ben's are cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh. Somebody's talking about like that they'll probably have a CFI go up with them to uh, desync D desynced D. Uh, I'll probably have a uh, have to get a CFI to go up with me to knock the rust off in spring. I mean, absolutely. You know, I mean, sure. yep. golly, like it, if you, I, 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 when I did my checkout flight for the club plane, it was the first time I'd flown with a CFI since I got my license or whatever uh, certificate and. I was excited about it just to kind of get back into that kind of mentality of, you know, kind of like you have to perform a little bit. You have to, you know, it it raises your level, uh, I think, a little bit um, to fly with an instructor. And I think that almost like even if you don't even have a ton of great reasons, like do it when you can just here and there. I mean, just because you're going to do better and you're always going to get something out of it. And it seems like. Uh, we're, we're in a pursuit where that kind of thinking should be the pervasive thinking, right? Like, yes. oh, I don't need no CFI. It's like, well, I mean, all right, you know, Scott Gleason, this is the one I was looking for mm. story from earlier when we were talking about, um, the alternator in one in the 172, the generator that went out for me, Scott Gleason said, lost my landing light during night training while away from home airport, found out you can land without one. Um, which is that's frankly that's horrifying for me. I, it's been pretty well documented. I am not a huge fan of night flight. I stay current, le- you know, legally. I get my get my landings in, just in the event that I have to be out after dark with people. Yeah. But I don't, I don't seek it out in a single engine, especially in my region of the country uh, where I fly, where it is. Um, your your odds of coming down somewhere reasonably survivable are pretty slim uh, yeah. in the dark. It might be a different story out in the Midwest or, you know, somewhere else, but it's just super uncomfortable for me here. Uh, but I cannot even, I c- cannot imagine um, uh, like trying to do those patterns without a landing light. Um, I, maybe I should try it. I mean, maybe I should fly down to the level and see what it feels like to try to gauge that round out and flare at some point, maybe with a CFI, huh? Um, yeah. I maybe a chance you, to see it. Uh, I guess you don't have a very long runway either. Uh, how Clarksburg. Long is, how, 8, oh, yeah. 8,000 feet at Clarksburg. 8,000? 
Mm, 7,000. Jeez, so you Stand can just by. do uh, – what I would do is um, go down there at night and um, and just do <laughs> – just do like a one pass with your landing light on. Look just, at it, yeah. Just slow flight and then come back around and then turn your light off and just do slow flight. Yeah. Maybe a little, you know, and just check so, it out. But um, that's cool. 8,000 feet. 7,800 feet. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that's one thing I have not done. This is coming up in a video too. This and I'm. This is the things I'm going to start doing on my own. I've not done. I, I you know, I mean, yet to do. Maybe once or twice with t- Tyler early in my training. Did we do um, slow flight down the runway for a long, long period of time? Just yeah. maintaining that center line. I mean, I've done yeah. it a couple of times. I'd like to get back to doing some of that stuff again. Here's one thing I've never done that I really want to to do a couple of times, and that is simulated power out after takeoff like with yeah. runway remaining like yeah. i want to get up yeah pull the power and get back down um you know you i know this i know the theory of what it is i just need to do it a few times um and that, get, would, that and would be get, with an instructor right i don't know i don't know, probably but yeah i mean again that's one of those things it's like um you, you look at it and go like i don't know i've got eight thousand feet like i've got eight thousand feet so, oh, 8,000. Yeah, yeah. Like if I, I'm off the ground by the 1,000 foot markers, I still have 7,000 feet of runway in front of me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a lot of room to like decide that I've changed my mind again. Or you you know, I'd probably do it with an instructor the first time, you know, just because uh, there's a lot of variables in there. You got to be pretty quick reacting, yeah. you know, when you're at VY or whatever and you pull it out, like you've got to get the nose over pretty quick and there's a lot going to happen pretty fast. So, um, at least yeah. with another, uh, there is that excellent video with, um, uh, what's his face and flight chops, um, uh, where they do that, where it's just constantly pulling the engine on, uh, on climb out there and, um, building that, that reaction, uh, you know, it's a, definitely a good thing. Um, it seems you strange think you're to ready to do that. You think you're ready. You know, you've conditioned yourself every time, right? right to say like, what am I going to do if I lose power on the takeoff? I'm pushing those forward. Like you've, you, you say you're going to do that. Um, are, you've are gotta, you going to, are you oh, going to do that? Yeah, you I mean, you got to commit, quick. you yeah. got to commit to that. That's not going to feel like what you want to do, uh, yeah. at that exact moment. So I, you know, that's kind of the thing I would like to go. I'd like to get working on some of those weird things. I really want to work on my instrument. A lot of things I want to do, but that's um, yeah. that. Those are a couple of maneuvers that I've not done a lot that I'd like to work on. Well, it's it's related but not related. But I'll tell you a quick little anecdote. Um, <laughs> you know, my father was a pilot, and he was one of those people that was definitely a pilot. You know, in terms of flew in Vietnam, flew C one thirties and C one twenty threes, C one thirties, and then uh, did general aviation. He was definitely a pilot um, in all the ways and the ways that he did decision-making everything, but I'll just never forget. Uh, we were skiing and uh, I got on the ski lift. I was probably eight years old and we got on the ski lift and it went up and then I fell out of the chair, but had managed to spin around and grab onto the chair while it was still climbing up. And I'm looking up at my dad and he starts plucking my fingers off. He's just, and I, you know, I'm whatever, eight years old, looking up at my dad to save my, needing him to save my life. And in my mind, it's like, he's turning, like he's actually evil <laughs> or something. Cause right. he's, he's just wow. plucking my fingers off. And what, but that he knew that every split second that I was hanging on, I was going to be up another two feet, four feet, eight feet, 10 feet. Like it was just on a straight climb out. And right now it's just soft snow beneath us. But if we wait a little further, I'm going to fall further and onto rocks and snow. And so he just knew that the best course of action was to just push me off the lift. And, and I, I still think about that, but I'm like, there's, it, it struck me so many times in training where there are so many things that you learn where as a pilot, your first instinct is going to need to be probably the opposite of what you would think that that response should be. Right. There's a lot of things like that. And, uh, 
And so I sort of always think of that, that, that moment, you know, where it's, he just, he already knew what to do. Uh, and it wasn't the, you know, if it was my mom, we'd both be dead. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> George Jocelyn said, um, preparing for his re-ride blew my short field landing. Mm-hmm. I guess I could be soft field. I mean, SF. I'm, I'm guessing it's short field. Oh yeah, yep. landing short of a thousand footers messed up my foggle time, which I never did in training. Check right there. Seventy-one years old. Wow. Good for you. Yeah, that man. is fantastic. I so mean, that, you, fo- that you're doing. You never did foggles in training. I'm no, no, never messed them up. I'm assuming. Oh, I see. Yeah. Seventy-one, yeah. huh? So uh, that that is pretty. Midlife awesome. lasts a long time. I like this. That's right. It could definitely be uh, midlife. Bearded Aviator said um, that we were talking about the you know power off stuff. My instructor had me doing the impossible turn from 500 feet a few times. I guess there are conditions where you could pull that off depending on the aircraft and the conditions and whatever else. Uh, power off after takeoff, coming back. I'll need 1,000 feet if I'm doing it. Age is just a number. Very, very true. Uh, let's see what else we have in here. Oh, Mike has a cardinal and he loves it. That awesome. I really is it? I wonder if it's an RG. I don't necessarily want the RG. I just want the cool plane that you can see out of really well, and the doors open wide, and it's got plenty of room. That's all I want. It's a cardinal. Someone on our field at Fairmont just got a uh, just brought a cardinal back, um, and it's really pretty nice. Uh, I I looked at it the other day. Um, a really nice one eighty two just moved into our field too, um, with a panel that is just crazy nice. Um, why don't, why don't we just buy? Why don't we just Chris? Why don't we just uh, start a GoFundMe here with these people? towards a cardinal which would be the ultimate videography and photography machine so if everybody wants would. to give five dollars uh, <laughs> on a daily basis <laughs> yeah, yeah um yeah i mean there's uh, what did beardy eddie beers oh uh david's saying until you need uh until you need to land and float 1500 feet down the runway yeah, yeah. It's more uh yeah more cessna cessna slams it's weird. There's always like in every subculture, right? You've got like the Gibson versus uh, Fender or yeah, the guitars. The, yeah, like whatever it is, there's always some competing things. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It's an RG, not far south. Oh, family here. Great, Mike. Come on up. <laughs> I, I live three minutes from John Toon and, uh, I would love to borrow your cardinal uh, whenever you let me. No, just I would love to fly with you. That's great. Let's uh, do that. That's really cool. cool. Yeah. So, um, does anybody else have any um, uh, words of wisdom on the mental game? Because remember, this is going out to our audio audience. That's really what this is for. This is just the live taping. Taping. By the way, the uh, looking at the uh, demographics, Chris, of our audio podcast, of this podcast, yeah. the audio version. You know what I was curious about was, you know, we're the, is the you're the midlife pilot. This is the midlife pilot podcast. What is the age range of the people that are listening? And what we've got here is 42% are between the ages of 45 and 59. So the great majority are <laughs> midlife. I believe pilots. that. Um, We're getting a little... There's, there's some between right. 23 and 27, so... We're getting a little, uh, little inside baseball here, maybe, but um, do you know that the of, of my... Of the YouTube channel, the Midlife Pilot YouTube channel. Uh, the 58, 58% of the audience 
is between 35 and 54. And if you extend that up to um, 64, it's 70%. So 70% is 35 to 64. Um, so you know. uh, not a lot of um, uh, teenage audience here? Uh, no, in fact, none. Uh, really, there's no measurable audience <laughs> below 18. And 18 to 24 only represents 0.7%, which to me just re- reiterates how un- how out of the hip I mean, I am not in that. I do not appeal to that audience anymore. I'm getting daily reminders of how much I've departed that. Um, <laughs> I, I look around. I look around, and I, I say, "Okay, I drive a car made in 1985 because I think it's cool." Um, I have the same jacket that I've been wearing for 15 years. I have about four shirts. Everything else is so meager and just do not care so that I can subsidize things like aviation. Yep. Um, but, um, but I'm definitely, uh, I'm, I, I like the whole, um, you know, how you, you, dr- you dress the rest of your life sort of like you get to a certain point with your style or whatever you want to call it, like the stuff that you feel comfortable wearing. And then that's it. Like that's, it, that's what's going to run the table for the, for the rest of the whole time. Cool. If I don't have to think about it, great. Uh, I'm not looking to yep, for sure. reinvent my style. Um, by the way, another quick little thing that uh, can this would be like a sneaky way of me reminding people that this podcast is on a lot of different channels. Uh, we've got it on Apple Podcasts, it's on Spotify, it's on Stitcher, it's on a lot of platforms. Uh, 69% of our audience is listening on Apple Podcasts, 10% only on Spotify. Um, and the large percentage of people use the Apple. iPhone. Uh, Go Apple. 69% iPhone, 11% Android. So. Well, thanks for that, uh, Brian. That is some yeah. really. Uh, <laughs> Do you want some more? Let me give you one more thing. Because <laughs> I know you're into this right now. So um, 91 of, 91% of our audio audience is in the United States. So the rest is Canada, Germany, United Kingdom, Australia, Japan, Philippines, Netherlands, Saudi Arabia, Singapore, Sweden, and uh, United Arab Emirates. Wow. So this thing has gone international in nine episodes. Pretty it's impressive. Crazy. Yeah. Pretty crazy. What, what that means is like one person in UAE clicked on it by accident. Right, and now they're in the metrics, or somebody with a VPN, or somebody with a VPN that connects through there. And, right, uh, exactly. Yeah, listen to uh, it. Well, yeah. I, but by the way, George Jocelyn, uh, good luck on your your rewrite. I'm sure you'll, you'll yes. get that. I mean, the, the beauty of this is that you just keep plugging away. Um, you know, um, let's see, Brian, do you watch over fifty and flying channel? He flew a cardinal. Yeah, I do. Rem- I know who that. Yeah, I've seen that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, Does he like, still have it? He had an engine. Uh, he had an engine. He had to replace the engine, and at mm-hmm. some point, he was there was some contemplation that he was just getting. He was going to not do it and get rid mm-hmm. of it. He put some upgrades in the panel, and then something happened to his engine, and he had to replace it. But I can't. I have not followed. I need to look back on his channel. But yeah, I've watched. I've watched some of his stuff. Yeah, people like that. Um, I wish I had their energy. Their their joie de vivre. I feel like I'm such a mellow person compared to like there's like the really high energy speaking like kind of youtube people that are super excited that stuff freaks me out I, i'm like i can't do that <laughs> uh, me either <laughs> right. yeah like so like how do you you know how do you if you we talk a lot about filming our stuff and all that but real quick um for people that want to sort of take their filming of their flights, maybe one extra level, right? Like how do you get to the point where you're telling a story or how do you get to the point where you're actually pointing a camera at yourself, which I will never do. Like I know, like I can't even have this. I can't even do this here. Right. So why am I like, I can't, I don't want to be on camera ever. Yeah. This is is awful for me. No, it's not so bad, but how do you do the, uh, what do you, what's there's there's a term for it. The production stand up. I call, I mean, I use it. I call it a stand up, but, um, 
You're like, so I, I try, I've been trying to, I try to book in minds with that, like with a open and closed or at least an open, um, you know, it's out of my comfort zone. I'm a behind the, I'm a production, I'm an audio and video yeah, production yeah, person. Yeah. I, I like to be on the side of working other people's stuff, but I, I just felt at some point like it was important to start here. Here's the dirty secret. I mean, the real way to make things more compelling. Cause you, a lot of times when you go out to film a flight, you don't exactly know what the story is going to be till after you've flown. So I like that. It's super easy to record a voiceover. I mean, I don't know if you do it on your, I, anybody doesn't have equipment, do it on your iPhone, do it on whatever and yeah. lay it over the thing. If you got stuff to add in later, later, even stuff like, Oh, we flew around here for 30 minutes and then, you know, just keep people, you know, you can kind of tell the story easily with pre-written one or two sentences and record a voiceover. That's the magic. Yeah. Whenever I've done any of that, I actually have not written. I just, I just edit it knowing kind of what I wanted to depict and then just hit record and then just kind of casually <laughs> just sort of, you know, cause I think writing sometimes keeps people from doing anything. Like I, I, I like to write. I'm actually a decent writer, I suppose, but for YouTube videos, I'm, I'm really not going to, I don't know. Like I'm not sure. Trying to, yeah. So, but, but sometimes just, I think having a casual tone, you know, can, can work. So you don't feel like you got to plan it all out. Right. Like just respond to your own thing. Like, Oh yeah, you see that over there. That's when I forgot to do that or whatever. We do need to do an episode on, um, I get a ton of requests on this channel for, um, how do you make your videos? How do you get all your multicams to sync up? How do you do it? I mean, technically, yeah. how do you do it? Right. We've conceptually I, high level it in one episode prior to this, but we haven't gone into the actual meat and potatoes, which by the way, if you saw my process, you would think that I'm clinically insane. It, it's so like everybody's workflow is unique. You're, I'm sure yours is way more polished and way more normative than mine. I'm, mine's like a, a weird chaos that I have under control. Um, we'll but do that I, one. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a good episode. I, it's shocking how many people want to know. I mean, I, that's of all of the general themes of comments from the entire inception of the Midlife Pilot YouTube channel. Yeah. I would say if there's one underlying theme, it's like it has to do with production. Yeah. How are you capturing your audio? What cameras are you using? Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you do, how do you power your cameras? Like what just, it's all, there's a, just such so, an interest. And I think there's, it's, there's more and more options these days on how to do it. Um, I've chosen the simple route. I mean, there's some people out there doing it really, really well, like who are spending significant time shooting video with handheld cameras. Like I'm thinking about people like, um, I think aviation 101 is doing a really good job. Josh flowers channel. I think, um, Chris Palmer and Homer Alaska at Angle Attack is doing a really good job. There's just a ton of people who are really investing in, not that we're not, I'm just saying the flavor of this channel has always been different and probably always will be like, we want to document the trips, but man, it's just, even the ones that I do currently three or four cameras in the airplane, plus a handheld and audio tracks, that is enough. That is enough of an investment in terms of like making a product from that, cutting the thing down to a 15 minute, you know, it's hours of video, multiple, you know, it's it's really a, um, it does take time. Uh, and I think it would be cool to show. I know a lot of people are getting GoPros and doing stuff on their planes and maybe we ought to just do maybe next one, even maybe in two weeks we'll do, uh, yeah. how do we make, how do we make videos? That'd be, so, um, maybe well, we should well, do it. Yeah. I was just going to say whoever else is, uh, in the, in the chat right now, um, throw out real quick, some things that you would like us to cover in future episodes that we haven't logged in here real quick. So we'll give you people a couple of minutes here as we start to wind this up, but throw that stuff, um, throw that stuff in there. Anything that you guys feel like would be awesome. And then, uh, I mean, we probably won't do it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I'm, I'm interested to see like w- w- what else, uh, cause we're just kind of, all we're doing is just sort of taking things that we are, we would normally talk about in your hangouts or, uh, you know, um, just casually, you know, but just kind of slightly formatting it and, <laughs> and talking. Here's about what it. I think is coming up. I think there's a, I think there's a how to make videos episode. Yeah. Um, is that gonna be like I, a screen share with you in editing and everything? Yeah, that's right? what I think. Yeah. I mean, I would yeah. like. I mean, for those who are with us live, and then Sorry, we'll see audio. you later on the thing. The audio folks will just have to follow along. Um, 
I'd like to do one with a guest coming up. I'm trying to figure out if I can get an air traffic control person um, yeah. that I know uh, to talk about uh, the ATC side of GA. There's a really great podcast. I don't know. It's it's one of the handful that I'm a, I'm a patron of. Like I'm, I'm a patron of a few other uh, content creators. There's a, a, a podcast called Opposing Bases. Yeah. It's hosted by two air traffic controllers. Um, who are also pilots. It is uh, so, so, so helpful. Um, well, that's what, look at Ben Singer's comment here. ATC discussion. Yeah, that's perfect, Ben. That's on my, that's hilarious. Oh, he knows the, he knows the opposing bases guys. <gasps> oh, we should talk offline with Ben. That would be great to get. Uh, I would love to do an ATC theme podcast. David Moscardelli says long cross country planning, best practices, um, Johnny, be anxious to hear about anything? Yeah. Well, so, David, by I, the way, you should have been here last uh, session because we kind of did a lot of that. Yeah, that's right. We did the trip from Nashville to the Outer Banks. Um, yeah, so we got some stuff coming up. I think um, so. Two weeks from tonight, we'll uh, maybe we'll do the um, how, how to make a video uh, episode. Um, I'll try to save some footage. Maybe we'll try to cut one uh, live. I don't know how well that'll work. Um, and then we'll start building a list from some of these other suggestions and maybe fill up some content here for the next couple months. How about it? Uh, by the way, Nathan said flying with family, friends, do you put added pressure on yourself and how do you handle weight and balance of, uh, your friends, just how to handle flying with others. We did, yeah. uh, an episode, um, called, uh, flying with nervous passengers where we covered a lot of those things, not all of the points you're talking about, but if you go back, um, there's only eight episodes, Brian. If you go back be- into our archives, <laughs> if you if you talk to the librarian and uh, get the Dewey Decimal, um, yeah. episode five. Thank you. Very good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just to recap real quick, we've done episode one was why and how we record our flying. Number two was the challenges of being a midlife pilot. Episode three was flight training horror stories. Episode four was demystifying the private pilot check ride. Then the nervous passengers. Uh, then we did one on sort of, uh, you got your license, okay, but now what? And then that ended up being a tangent about flight clubs, <laughs> which ended up being really good. Um, and then we did a whole episode dedicated to just our favorite AT- aviation YouTube channels, which I think was really cool. Um, and then uh, and then episode eight was our flight planning live. So here we are now with our sort of just, you know, what's a good day, what's a bad day, how to frame those things and in, in your mind and the mental game. Um, so I think that we're covering a lot of things. I don't think we'll ever run out of things to, to yap about. I think that's one thing that pilots are pretty good at. For sure. That's awesome, man. Well, good episode. Uh, as always, great crowd tonight. Um, appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the chat room. It's good to see some uh, folks who hadn't been able to make for a while. It's good to catch up with some of you and then also some of you who have been here faithfully everyone. It's always good to hang out with you guys every couple of weeks and just talk about one of my favorite subjects. So good to see you. On. you, sir. Yeah, good, good hang, man. Good hang. I really yep. appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you all uh, in a couple weeks and we'll take all these suggestions that are still coming in in the comments and uh, build our content out and we'll talk to you all soon. Have a good one, everybody.